0: Take your Bible, if you would, please, to the book of John, chapter number 9. John, chapter number 9. We've got just a few moments here before 4 o'clock, so we need to hurry to get it all in by 4 o'clock. Good to see you here today. Man, thank you for being in the house of God on this beautiful day. Isn't it a good day to serve the Lord? It's just a good day to be alive. I'm telling you, it really is. I want to take the Bible and show you something this morning. Uh, I want to read for you John chapter number 9, verses 1 through 7, please. And then I'd like to ask you a question, if you would, please. The Bible says, And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. John 9 1, now verse 2. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man that, that, that with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Man, what a wonderful, wonderful miracle performed by our Lord. A blind man from his youth, from his birth actually. I don't know if there was any eyes in his eye socket or not. All I know is completely blind from his birth. A miracle beyond all imagination. Now this is not something that was pumped up or... Theatricalized so that the crowds would get all whooped up. This was done that the works of God might be made manifest. A simple healing, if you please. And the whole crowd that's present is aroused, confused, and even angered. Now look down with me, if you would please, at verse 35. And the Bible said... Jesus heard that they had cast him out. The man that had been healed has now been kicked out of the synagogue because he gave Jesus credit for healing him. And when Jesus heard that he had been cast out, and when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to the world, that they which see not might see, that they that see not might see. Please, could I have your attention? Do you think that the only reason Jesus came into the world is to heal blind people? What was he saying here when he said, I came into the world that he that see not might see? The story is about physical blindness, but the entire chapter is about spiritual blindness. Jesus healed a man physically so that he might show all of us who are spiritually blind, born spiritually blind in darkness, Spiritually numb to the things of God. Spiritually dead in trespasses and sin. Jesus puts John 9 in the word of God that we who are spiritually blind might see. He who can heal the physical blind is also the one who is able to heal our spiritual blindness. Do you see that? And then verse 40, And some of the Pharisees, which were with him, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? I'd like to talk to you today about that thought. Are we blind also? It's possible to have 20 vision physically and not be aware of what's going on around us. It's possible to be seeing and yet not see at all. I just wonder today uh, if maybe, if maybe possible we have sight yet to be blind of everything that's happening around us. Do we actually see what Jesus is trying to do in our immediate situation? Or are we busy complaining about our lot in life and we only see physically, we are not able to see spiritually what God is doing in us? Many times we come to church on Sunday morning, and and a lot of our worship is involved in singing songs. I don't know if you know it or not, but many of the songs that we sing on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night, of course, we're still strange. We think that God expects more than just an hour on Sunday. Uh, We still think that it does us good to meet on Sunday night. Some of you haven't come up with that yet, but it really does help us to get a a, a jolt on Sunday night. And then, uh, bless your heart, after you put up with whatever you put up with, if you've got any kids, you need Wednesday night real bad. And so we're still the old flavor that we probably need uh, maybe three to thrive spiritually. And so many of the songs that were are you do not realize this, but was written by a blind woman by the name of Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was only six weeks old when she contacted a cold. A man who was professing to be a doctor said he could help her cold and put some salve in her eye and about three or four weeks later, six weeks later, Fanny Crosby was completely blind. She was blind all of her life. Probably she could have felt sorry for herself. But she wrote eighty five hundred hymns that we sing in our churches on worship time. Eighty five hundred. Blind And yet, praising God, she wrote the song entitled, To God Be the Glory. Do you remember the words? To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the light gate. That all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Blind, but let His people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory for great things He has done. Praise the Lord. Oh, blind, yes. Bitter, no. In pain, yes, but allowed God to use her life even though she's blind. Blindness must be a terrible thing. Probably in all the maladies of the physical body, probably blindness would probably be the worst, I would say. And here is a lady who says, To God be the glory, great things he has done. I'm so glad I can see this and not fall over it. I'm glad I can see the steps and not fall flat on my face. But I think the worst thing is having your sight and still not be able to see. To see that the problems come our way may be for God's glory. This man was blind, not because of sin. He was blind So that God may show his wonderful works in his life. Oh, how many of us today sit in this place are blind to what God is attempting to do in our life. All we can see is the physical. All we can see is the job and the money and the cars and the things and the junk. All we can see is us, is us when God might have us in a situation that he might get glory out of the situation. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen to me today. I just believe a lot of folks in this story, in this story, is blind to what Jesus is trying to do. And I believe like they are blind, many of us are also blind to what God is trying to do. Notice in the first place, if you would, I got four things today that will cause spiritual blindness. And I believe they're, I believe they're prevalent in our life today. Things that will blind us to what God is doing. Things that will blind us to the power of God and the purpose of God and the will of God for our life. For instance, many of us have not even thought about the will of God in our life one time this week. Many of us in this place have not considered at all God's plan or God's purpose or God's glory. The only thing, we're just glad we're here. Isn't it good, so good we're here? Why? Notice I want you to look in your Bible down through that chapter. And if you'll notice in verse number 2, it talks about the disciples. If you notice also down on through the chapter, you'll notice verse uh, number 8. And it talks about the neighbors. If you get down to verse number 15, you'll talk about the Pharisees. And you get down to verse number 18 and you notice the parents. Isn't that amazing? The disciples. The neighbors. The Pharisees. And the parents. All of them involved in the story. All of them standing there watching the most miraculous thing that ever has transpired in all of history of Christendom. This is the first. This is the one time that he who could not see from his birth, can actually see again. Wow. Buddy, if they could get that on Christian television, that'd push some books, wouldn't it? Yeah. Would that sell some prayer clause? Can you say amen? Why don't you know, buddy, if Benny Hen could get all the hat, he'd be Benny Rooster instead of Benny Hen. Man, this is a winner here. This is a winner here. And Jesus involved himself in the first seven verses. And everybody standing around missed the whole deal. The whole deal is not about Jesus healing blind folk. The whole deal is what do we think about it and what do we get a hold of when we see him do it. And the whole crowd was blind. Notice the disciples. They were blinded by their judgment. Verse 2. Lord, see this guy here, he's blind. And we know why he's blind. Either he sinned or his mother sinned. Well, how could he sin? Because he's blind from his mother's youth. I mean, blind from his birth. And so these guys said about this fella, we got it figured out. We know why he was blind. Because in his family, somebody was a dirty, rotten sinner. They're not near as good as us. We can see. That guy and his family must be of the Lord's heart because, look, he's blind and it must be the result of sin in their life. You see, at that time, the Jews had a strange idea and it existed at that time. They believed that pre-existence of the soul. What they believed was that all the souls that had ever been was in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, all the souls sinned. And so that fella sinned before he ever had a soul. What are you looking at? You say, man, that's a strange belief. You know, if I talk to you a while, I might think you've got some too. Like church is not important. Like, we'll come when we want to. And we'll give what we want to. And we'll live like we want to. And we'll have fun all we want to. That is a strange thing, because I thought God was in control. And so they said, and then they said, did the parents sin? You go back to the book of Exodus, you'll find there in the book of Exodus, and you'll also find in the book of of, uh, Exodus chapter 34, and Jesus said, or God says, that the sin of the parents will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. And so when these guys asked the Lord, who sinned? Was it him? Did he sin?" pre-existent did he sin before he was here did he sin did his soul sin or was it his mom and daddy who sinned and now God has passed that sin down to the third and fourth generation and now I know why he's a sinner because he's blind because of sin Wouldn't it be nice to be able to judge everybody from our own perspective Do you know judgment will blind you to what God wants done? And it will blind you to what God is trying to do in somebody else's life. Listen to me. If you don't know what God is doing in your life, sure to God you don't know what He's doing in mine. And so we don't need to be setting ourselves up as judge because it blinds us to what God is trying to do in somebody else's life. And may I say to you today, we need to stop this thing of setting ourselves up as judges. You see, judgment is the exaltation of self. They are. uh, We look at them and say, well, bless your heart, if they're homosexual, they deserve what they got and they deserve to die a horrible death of AIDS. Got your attention, did it? Who made you the judge? Well, if they got cirrhosis of the liver, they deserve it. They shouldn't be drinking that hooch. Look at us, we don't drink. Look at us, we hadn't got HIV. And that's exalting ourselves above somebody else who's hurting. And may I say to you today, we make very poor judges. Is there anybody here? And may I say blindness on the part of the disciples forfeited the opportunity of them to minister to the man. I don't know if you know much about Wycliffe Bible translators or not. A couple by the name of Sutherland was assigned to the Macuna Indians in South America, and they worked on the language and worked to get the Bible translated into their language. And after about five years, with the chief's son help, they had translated the book of John and had it printed. And it came upon a time when they stood and read for the very first time the book of John in their language. As the chief's son was reading the book of John, he came to John chapter 9 and he read that this man was blind, that the works of God might be men manifest. And when he read that, the chief stood up and raised his right hand and begged everybody for silence. He said, if that be true, then we must stop killing our babies. The man was blind that the works of God might be made manifest. You see, it was traditional. If a baby was born unnormal, they took him out to the woods and laid him in a ditch and let him die. And he said, if that be true, we must stop killing our babies. We can sit back and judge, I suppose. But unless we know everything involved, we ought to just quit judging and start loving and start winning people to Jesus Christ. So what? They don't dress like us. So what if they smell like tobacco? So what? What? If they smell like alcohol. So what if they're withdrawing and having DTs? So what if they walk in our church with a dress a little short? Maybe we need to quit judging. And allow God to give us a spiritual eye to want to help somebody who's hurting. The lesson is not about a blind man. The lesson is about blind disciples, blinded by their own judgmental spirit. And then we go from the disciples down and we see the neighbors are blind as the disciples. But they are blinded by their skepticism. Read the verses 8 through 12, I think it is. Is that the guy? Well, he looks like the guy. He looks like the guy that's been begging down at the the temple. But the guy down at the temple can't see. The eye sockets are empty. They're dead. They're closed. This guy has got shining blue eyes. He sees. I think he might be the guy. Well, he looks like the guy. But I don't, I just, I just don't think Couldn't be why? Surely. Anybody here like that? God says he should move God says he can move mountains, and we say, Would you try a molehill? God says all things are possible and we have nervous breakdowns over the smallest of things. God says, Come unto men. Take my yoke because my yoke is easy. And you say, I want my own yoke. How many of us this morning are blinded by our own skepticism? Why? Has anybody ever told you a spiritual experience and you doubted it? You know why? Because it didn't happen to you that way. I don't doubt anything. If somebody told me that God stood at the bed last night, I'd just say, you need to change pizzas. Amen. <laughs> hey, Folks will tell me, generally they tell me about dying experiences, about seeing a light or about uh, this or that. And and, and 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 I stand there and I want to tell you, I'm the biggest skeptic in the world. The biggest skeptic in the world. You're looking at him right here. Don't happen to me. Kind of hard for me to hang on to it. I don't know what you're looking at. You're probably just as bad as I am. Well, did you know what she said happened to her? <laughs> Skeptics, yes. The neighbor said, well, he looks like him. The neighbor said he acts like him. The neighbor said, yeah. <laughs> could it be him? God says He'll use you to do mighty works, and you say me. God says go teach a Sunday school class, and you say me. God says to work a bus route and get boys and girls saved, and and get them wound up and ready for Christ and ready to serve God, and you say, well I can't me. I just wonder, is there any skeptics in the crowd? You know, I'm talking about being sceptic of God's power. Most Baptists remind me of two old men playing golf. And suddenly a lightning storm comes up and lightning everywhere. One of them runs and the other said, hey man, wait a minute, i got the solution. He reached in his bag and pulled out a club and stuck it in the air. And the old man said, what are you doing? He said, this is a two iron. Even God can't hit a two iron. You have to be a golfer to understand that it's almost impossible for a duffer like me to hit one of the long irons. Even God can't hit. Skepticism. What in your life... Can't God do? What's got you hung up right now? What big, immaculate, humongous situation has arisen in your life that God cannot handle? What is it that skepticism has got you blind to what can do? Hey, if God can heal this blind man, surely he can take the scales of skepticism off of our eyes today so that we might see the big picture through him and through the Word of God. Other neighbors, yes. Skeptical. The disciples, judgmental. And the Pharisees was blinded through the religion. Well, that ain't the way we done it down at the temple. The problem was not that they healed the man. The problem was he healed him on the Sabbath day. And the problem was not that he healed him on the Sabbath. Now get this. The problem was that he made some clay on the Sabbath day. Because the law said you're not to do any manner of work. And so when our Lord spit on the ground and began to make clay to place on the man's eyes, he was working on the Sabbath. Ain't that important? Isn't that earth shaking? Compared to giving a man sight that had never seen before Why, that's just a little thing in the light of making some clay. What religiously has got you hung up? Just what is important around here church or relationship with Christ? Being in your place on Sunday or being in your place with God every single day? Do you think maybe we become a little churchy? And put more emphasis on church than we do on a relationship with Christ? Could we be blinded? Could we be as blind as this man? Could we be blind? to the things of God while having 20-20 vision and brand new contact lens and blind to what God is trying to show us and do for us spiritually. Just wondering because I don't want to make anybody mad, you see, because the Pharisees was blinded by religion. During World War II, a German lady was going to have a baby. So she was assigned to a hospital and found a room. And when she got to the room, she noticed on the wall a picture of the Lord Jesus on the cross being crucified. And she woke up and screamed to the nurse, take that picture down and get that Jew off the wall. The nurse said, we cannot move the furniture. The German lady said, then you go find someone who is an authority over you. The nurse went and got the head man. and said, may I help you? And the lady who's having the baby looked up at the crucifixion and said, get that Jew off the wall. The man said, we cannot move that picture. The husband came to visit. We saw Jesus hanging on the cross. He too went to the authorities and said, Get that Jew off of the wall. I don't want my baby's eyes to see that Jew. A few days later, the baby was born. And the man got his wish because the baby was born blind. Blind. We're as blind as the man in John 1 through 7. And as blind as a German lady and a German man. Who can only see with these eyes. And not with the eye of the soul. Our Lord talked about a people who saw and yet did not see. Are we blind today to what God is doing in our lives? Or what God wants to do around the world? I close with this. The parents, when they brought the man to the parents, and the religious crowd said, Is this your son? Yes, he's our son. Was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. How then... Was he made to see? The folk did not respond in the text because they knew if they professed Jesus Christ, then they would be expelled and excommunicated from the synagogue. Special note. If they got kicked out of the synagogue, they wasn't like you could go down the road and find a synagogue of their choice. (laughs) Might be nice. If it's that way around here. But when they got excommunicated from the synagogue, they were also excommunicated from society. They could not have businesses. They could not have fellowship with another Jew. And so they decided that they would not commit themselves. So they were blinded by their fear. Verse 22. Fear. They feared that they might get excommunicated. How many of us today, I want to close. How many of us today are blinded and not doing what God would have us to do because of our fear? Fear incarcerates. Fear enslaves. Fear takes a hold, And only God can break that fear. Fear makes losers. Faith makes winners. How many dates did you miss because you was afraid to ask her out and somebody else beat you to the deal? Have you ever heard the words tact and contact? Tack was dating a girl. He was so tactful on the front porch while contact went around the back door and invited the girl out. And while Tack was being tactful, contact got the girl. Fear. I close with this thought Are ye also blind? Verses 1 through 7 is teaching us that there's a blindness worse than physical blindness. Could I help you now as we close today. I wonder how you see yourself. The story told about a, a dad who came home one day and he had a magazine and he was going to sit down and read it and his little daughter about eight years old would not leave him alone. Finally he decided I will do something to create some activity for her. So he looked through the book and he found a a map of the world. And he just ripped out that page, stripped that page to pieces and said, now here, darling, you take that and when you put it together, come back and show it to daddy. Little girl went to her room and in just a few minutes she was back. Said, daddy, is this how it's supposed to look? And he said, how in God's name did you get that map together so quickly? She said, well, Daddy, I just turned it over and on the back was a picture of Jesus. And when I got all the pieces of Jesus put together and put Him where He belonged, the whole world came into place. Where have you got Jesus in your life? Because if you don't have Jesus in your life, you're still blind. Seeing, but you're still blind. What we need today... Is to get Jesus back where he belongs.